0: Um, uh, and now we're in a new year, Does yeah. it Crazy. Doesn't 2023 sound like it's like a futuristic time? Yes. Yes. Sounds like, man, where's the flying cars at, right? You know, but like it's, uh, every time around this year we hear these, uh, new year's resolutions, huh? New year's resolutions, this, we're going to do this, we're going to do, what is, what is a new year's resolution, right? It's like, uh, we put something off that we know we need to do until a year, right? Like, right now, I know I need to probably lose a little bit of weight, but I'm going to wait until 2024, you know? <laughs> gives me a whole year to get as much, you know, weight on as I need to. Um, but we need to do these types of things. Like, normally, what would inspire somebody to, to make changes is because they recognize that the decisions that they're making are not the best, right, for their health. As Christians, we got to take that type of inventory spiritually. Sometimes, even Christians, we can allow certain things into our life that don't really belong, huh? And we know that. Sometimes we think that um, repentance is a one-time deal. Like, we come into a relationship with Christ, and we acknowledge that we were going the wrong way, and then we know that we need to go ahead and follow him, and we think that it's like, oh, I did that already. It's like, no, we have to do that every day. We have to constantly die to ourselves. Because your natural uh, instinct, your heart, goes in the opposite direction right. of where God wants to take you. Now I'm, I know I'm going to go out on a limb right over here, right? But how many of you guys are Christians in here? Raise your hand with the show of hands. Wow, wasn't expecting that. Okay. <laughs> Those of you guys that had raised your hand, some of you guys went like that because you put deodorant on, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Those of you guys that acknowledge, like, hey, that's me, um, you're chosen. God chose you. And why do you think God chose you? He's given all of us different, different abilities, different gifts, different avenues of ministry. But one thing I know he's called all of us is to be a shining light in a dark world. He's given us a, a, a ministry that he's given us the gospel to share this message with the with the world that's perishing it's on its way to hell yeah. you know, sometimes we think like oh like god why would he send people to hell it's like the world's already on its way to hell right. god didn't do it we did that we are doing that well the the life saving message that he's given to us is that he came to rescue us and give us a way off of this one one trip ticket so we we've, we've all got that but I know I'm talking to some Christians in here, and you guys are chosen, but I want to tell you guys about the 12 tribes and how it parallels into our lives. You guys heard of the 12 tribes, right? Of course you do, but we're going to pretend like you don't, okay? You don't know about the 12 tribes. I'm going to explain it to you. So God had called this guy named Abram, who later became Abraham, out of this place called Ur of the Chaldeans, and they practiced this religion that was pretty brutal. And he called him, and he says, hey, I'm going to bless the whole world through your offspring. I'm going I'm to take you to this place. Wow, that got right in my face. I'm going I'm to ta- go over here. Okay? Uh, I'm going to take you to this land that I'm making, that, I, that I'm, I'm building just for you. I'm going I'm to give you this place. I'm going to bless the whole world through your offspring. You guys know how old Abram was whenever he got that message from God? 75 years old. He didn't have any kids at that time. He said... 75 years old isn't that old, okay? I know I'm talking to a room. There's probably some of you guys are 75. You're like, hey, what does that mean, you know? How many, show of hands, how many of you guys are 75 years old? I like taking polls, okay. See, you guys are young. Wyatt back there. You look good, bud. You look good. See, how many of you guys are planning on having kids? (laughs) I'm not judging, whatever. Go for it if you want it. But normally, that's not when people start their family, right? At 75 years old, that's when you start. But he had said, I'm going to bless the whole world through your offspring. Now, we know what that means now. He, he gave us the Messiah through the lineage of Abram, right? And he said, okay, I believe you. But he didn't even, he didn't even experience the, the realization until he was 100 years old. In Genesis 21, it tells us that that promised offspring that God had promised to Abram, he was 100 years old whenever his son Isaac was born. Now, none of you guys are 100, right? Maybe, I don't, you know, whatever. Keep that to yourself. I'm not going to poll who's 100. (laughs) So after 100 years, Isaac was born. And through the offspring of Isaac, who was born? Jacob. Right? Jacob was born. And through Jacob, who later became Israel, the 12 tribes were born. 11 of his sons, one of his sons, Joseph, had two of his own sons that became a tribe of its own collectively. And that son Joseph was elevated in this place called Egypt while there was a famine. He was a second in command. And, and God used Joseph to go ahead and, and spare the chosen of Israel from a famine. He protected them and he kept them in this land until they weren't welcomed anymore, but they stayed for 400 years because they became slaves. Until God chose another man, Moses, to go ahead and lead them out of their captivity into a place that God had promised. God had promised. He had chosen these people to take them to this place to bless the whole world through their offspring. And so we, uh, we, we, take, we take a look at sometimes at how our life goes. And if it doesn't go according to schedule in our, in our lives, we tend to think like, well, it's not going to work, right? God obviously has a different plan. And we'll give up on those things. But see, God never forgot his promise. God never forgot his promise that he had made his covenant with Abraham. And so while he was using Moses to go ahead and take his people to the promised land that he had made, he had said, okay, I'm going to give you this tabernacle. Now this tabernacle is to be in the center of your city. You're, you're going to go ahead and build everything around this tabernacle. And you're and inside of this little tabernacle, and this place is called the Holy of Holies, is going to be Ark of the Covenant, which was God's very present that dealt with his his own people. They took God everywhere they went, right? They were God's chosen. And he gave them all of these rules. So many tedious rules that he gave them. He gave them his law. He gave them the days to worship. He He gave them the way to clean. He gave them what to touch, what not to touch, everything. He made them stick out like a sore thumb in the world around them so that they might be able to, to show the goodness of God in a dark world. But somewhere along the line, those chosen people kind of forgot why they were chosen. Some of them started thinking that they were super special because they were chosen. Some of the people looked at the neighbors around them and said, hey, you know what, I know we've seen God, we've heard all of these stories, we've seen what he has done, but we want to be like them. Look, look at all these neighbors that we have Look at all the fun they seem to be having. We want to be like them. And slowly, they started adopting some of the practices. Now, just because you're a chosen one, just because God has, go ahead, do you, are, you, are you not tempted anymore to do anything? Are you always wanting to do the right thing all the time, Christian, chosen one? No. See, I, today's message, I want to talk to us, how even a chosen one of God could live a life ineffective for the kingdom of God. That a chosen one of God could live a life out of the protection and care of God. See, now that it's whatever it is, January, whatever, I don't really do New Year's resolutions, right? But I want to go ahead, and I want this year to be more effective in ministry than last year. I want to be closer to God this year than I was last year. And so the story that I'm telling you leads up to this point. After God takes them to the promised land, because he had promised that he was going to take them there, and he gave his people his law, his people started looking at these other people and saying, we want to be like them. We want to do the things that they do. And so this is where we pick up the story. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 4. We're going to read the first 11 verses. Then we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 7. But while you guys are getting there, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that your word would purge us, your word would transform the way that we think. We pray that you would give us eyes to just see things the way that you do, and hearts that are willing to change with whatever it is that you're calling us to let go of. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is about the time they started dropping the ball. We're gonna read the first two verses right here. There was a prophet Samuel that God raised up at this time. And Samuel had a word. He says, Thus the word of Samuel came to all of Israel now. Israel went out to meet the Philistines in battle and camped beside Ebenezer. While the Philistines camped at Aphek, the Philistines, I'm sorry, yeah, while the Philistines camped at Aphek, the Philistines drew up in battle array to meet Israel. When the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men on the battlefield. So these chosen people of God were at war with enemies of God. The Philistines worshipped Satan. They worshipped Baal, they worshipped Asherah, but they worshipped Satan. The ways that they would go ahead and they would worship would be kind of like uh, how they would worship Asherah is they would have wild sex orgies. What happens after that type of behavior? Pregnancies. One of the ways that they would worship Baal, is they would sacrifice these babies onto the altar of Baal. They would heat up a huge statue while they're having this big old party, and they would set this thing ablaze, a furnace underneath it. And these people would come and offer their children on on the hands of this altar. And the babies would burn in front of them, but it would be so wild and crazy that you couldn't even hear the screams of those children being burned up. It's a brutal way to live. But the children of Israel decided that they want, and you know what, we look at them and we're like, wow, that's wild. What are we doing today? The sexual perversion, this, this you know, sleep with whoever you want, these unwanted pregnancies, go, just go to Planned Parenthood. What is it? It's Asherah, it's Baal. It's the same thing. It's just packaged differently. So, So anyways, these people that they wanted so hard to go ahead and emulate, they didn't even like them. The Philistines didn't like the children of Israel. And you see, as Christians, we should want to impact the world around us, the culture around us, right? But sometimes we want to be embraced by the culture. And we forget that we have two different masters. Mm -hmm. Their master, whether they know it or not, is Satan. Whether they know it or not. Us, it should be different. We want to emulate sometimes a certain type of culture, a certain type of world, but man... We, we forget, man. Making ourselves a friend of this world is what? Making ourselves an enemy of God, huh? So these enemies of God who are out in the open, they worship their other gods, spanked the children, the chosen of God. It's like, why? Because they were behaving in such a way that the protection and covering of God was removed from them. So even as believers, even as somebody that's been chosen by God, we could live our, we could live our lives in such a way we take God's protection away from us. That's right. It's not just for other people, it's for us. Right. See, let's, let's, let's continue. In verse 3, check this out. It says When the people came into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Listen to this. Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us take ourselves from Shiloh, the ark of the covenant of the Lord that it may come among us and deliver us from the power of our enemies. The heart of the problem was the problem of the heart. It was rebellion. But they went and they had consequences come upon them because of their actions. What's the first thing that they wanted to do? Why did you do this to us, God? You, you got, I got parents in here, right? My daughter ain't here, so I'm going to tell... She used to have this phrase whenever she was little. Whenever I would discipline her for some of the things that she shouldn't be doing, she said, "Dad, you're being mean to me. Why are you being mean to me?" It's like I'm not being mean to you. I just want your heart to change. I want your be. Or whenever you you know, as a parent, you'll send your kids to the room because you want them to think about what they've done. And before they can even make it into the room, they're all like, "Oh, so I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. I'm sorry." I'm not trying to pick on kids, because a kid is just like a, uh, it's a more obvious representation of what's going on in our hearts. Sometimes we want to go ahead and and be spared the consequences without changing a behavior. And see, that's that's the children of God right here, because they were like, I know how to, to make God work for us. He gave us his own presence, and he tells us to take it into battle. We'll just go ahead and we'll grab that. We'll grab the Ark of the Covenant. We'll bring it into battle. And then God's going to change his mind. Wow. You know, even Christians, we we live in a way. Man, we start thinking like we got this quid pro quo with God. Like I do this, and then he does this. We could start thinking that. That's wild to think. If we are Christians and we understand who God is, He's the creator of the universe, right? And we start thinking, like, hey, I could get him to operate for me. Wow. The ego, huh? So let's, let's, let's take a look at how God operates. In verses 4 through 11, it says So the people sent to Shiloh, and from there they carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts who sits above the cherubim. Look at that. He is the host, I mean, the army. We think about how, hey, how powerful these angels are, right? Whenever, whenever a man would be confronted with an angel, he would freak out and fall on his face. He would tremble and he says, now nah, there's an army of these angels and the God that we serve is their commander. He sits above the cherubim. Just look at that title. He's like, the God that we worship is just, we can't even fathom his power. But he says, hey, this is what we're going to do. We'll go ahead and we'll get, we'll get this thing the, uh, of the Lord of hosts who sits above the cherubim. And then it says, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. As the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth resounded. When the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood. They understood that the Ark of the Lord of hosts came into the camp. The Philistines were afraid. They said, Woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who shall deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? See, these Philistines had a different idea of who their God was. They knew that he was powerful. They knew that he was different, but they just assumed that he operated just like their gods. And see, this is a time where the children of Israel had a great opportunity to show the Philistines who God really was. But they treated the God of hosts. Like he was just some ordinary genie in a bottle. And and then check this out. What an opportunity missed. It says, who shall deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who smote the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Take courage and be men, O Philistines, or you will become slaves to the Hebrews, as they have been slaves to you. Therefore, be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated. And every man fled to his tent, and the slaughter was very great. For there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. And the ark of God was taken. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. It's About five different places that I can take this story right now. But I want us to focus in on that the chosen of God did not benefit from their blessed relationship that they had with God. And it was all due because of their rebellion. We we kind of feel like... uh, at times, like, God God isn't near us. Sometimes we, we go through those emotional, have you ever been there? We feel distant from God. You know, the interesting thing is God never moves. You know, sometimes it could be for various reasons, but a lot of the times it's because you're not letting God work in your life. Because you're holding on to things that you shouldn't be holding on to. You want God to operate in your life, but you're still being rebellious towards him. How is he going to go ahead and draw close to you whenever you've put a barrier between the two of you? And see, this is, this is what I want to focus in on today. The enemies of God were just behaving like enemies of God do, right? That's what, that, hey, that's what the world does. That's what they want to do. They want the power. They want the... That's what they want. What does the world outside of God want? It wants power. It wants possession, right? It wants position, I didn't even mean to do that. Power, yeah. That's what they want. I have these. I have friends that that are not Christians. Some of them, you know, that I used to hang around with more than others. They talk like sailors. It's like every other word of their mouth is filthy. Like after you leave them, you kind of just want to like take a bath. Like, but you, they're just acting like the world does. See, I, like, I I won't even correct them. I'll tell them about Jesus. I won't correct them. Because they're acting like people outside of Jesus act. That's how. But can you imagine if I talk like that? If you heard me out there talking, and uh, blah blah blah, you're like, "What the heck is wrong with this guy?" You should know better. They don't know better. You should know better. So, the chosen of God, they became slaves to these people. They became slaves to the people that were enemies of God. Just like your sin will make you a slave too, if it goes unchecked. If you allow certain things in your life, and you don't do anything about them, it'll take over your life. So, we're going to go on a little bit in this story. The Ark of the Covenant was taken by the Philistines. God punished the, the Philistines for their behavior. Plague broke out to the point where they are like, we don't want this thing around us, so they sent it. They sent it back to Israel, and they went to the house of Abinadab, and Abinadab consecrated his son, Elisar, and it stayed in Kiriath-Jerim for 20 years, the Ark of the Covenant. Now, there's about a 20-minute gap in between where we just left off to where we're going to pick up, and the chosen of Israel had time to kind of reflect on their circumstances, reflect on their behavior. Sometimes that's what it takes for us. When we get distant from from God, sometimes we need to do some Mm self-inventory. Like how people like put off things for a year and they start thinking like, what do I need to change? They had 20 years to go ahead and think, what do I need to change? And so 20 years later, we're going to pick up this story. And it's going to be in in 1 Samuel chapter 7. But I want us to think about this. I want want to think about these 12 tribes. Have you ever thought about the tabernacle? The portable church. Have you ever thought about how exclusive that it was? You only had access to the outer courtyards if you were one of the 12 tribes. You could only go to the outer courtyard if you had a sacrifice to bring. The Levitical tribe, only one of the 12, was only allowed inside of the tabernacle. And they were only allowed inside of the tabernacle if they were ceremonially clean. Now out of that one tribe, the only one that can go into the Holy of Holies was the high priest. And the high priest was only able to go in at one time of year. With the sacrifice that he would bring before the presence of God for the whole people of Israel. And if that high, one high priest went in there, he, made, he better make sure that he had his life in order. Or else he might not make it out alive. Think about how exclusive this is. Do you think God takes his reputation seriously? Yeah. Do you think he takes his righteousness seriously? And his children ought to as well. He wanted to show them how privileged that they were. That despite their own sin, they had a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. They wanted them to take that seriously. And so we're going to go ahead and we're going to pick up in in 1 Samuel, chapter 7, verses 3 and 4, 20 years later. It says, Samuel spoke to all of the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all of your heart, remove the foreign gods and the Asherah from among you, you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him alone. He will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the sons of Israel removed the bales and the ashes, and served the Lord alone. So after years of hardship, they came to this conclusion. They understood that, hey, it's not up to us to wait for God to change the circumstances towards us. It's, it's for us to change our posture towards the circumstances that we find ourselves in. We need to change our mind concerning the, these things that we're doing. And so they did. The situation that they found themselves in was an ugly one, but it was brought on because of the things that they allowed into their life. And certain things had to go, and they understood this can't stay. It has to go. It has to go. It's a hard lesson to figure out whenever you've... Now, I know whenever I'm, I'm speaking in a place like this, sometimes, like, we've got enough people that as, like, these words are, are coming out, you're starting to think, like, oh, boy, I've been allowing this into my life, even though I know that I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't be allowing these things, but I found that it hasn't been so harmful and everybody else is doing it, so it's just, you know, it's not a big deal. And then the word of God comes and starts, hey, are you hearing me? Are you listening to what I'm trying to tell you? They had to come to a place where it was like, uh, if we want our physical situation to change, then our spiritual life has to change. And as and as their spiritual life became to change, their circumstances began to change as well, because what happens next is God covers them and blesses them, and they spank the Philistines and they get them out of their place, they get them out of their way. Yeah. But it's not them, it was God doing it for them. Yeah. And they had to get to that place. See, I began that study, this study talking about I want us to understand how even the chosen people of God can go ahead and walk outside of God's covering, and we could live in effectively. But I'm hoping today that those that have pushed things off would say, you know what, I'm not going to push things off any longer. I'm going to deal with certain things. What is, what is a date? You know what I mean? It's, it's just a convenient day to put something off that you know needs to change. It's a justification for procrastination. That's all it is. See, um, I do something with the youth. Uh, Pretty much every year, I think I might have taken a couple years off here and there, but we have this thing, it's called an Ephesian bonfire. You guys remember in the book of Acts 19, the Apostle Paul, he starts to plant the church of Ephesus, and Ephesus was a real pagan society, right? And they used to practice witchcraft and divination and all kinds of bad stuff, but whenever they came and saw how awesome God was and how different and holy he was, they were like, man, we want to follow God, you're God. And so they got a big old bonfire together and they threw all of their witchcraft books and sorcery books into a big old fire, burned it all up. Now, at least they had problems afterwards. But they had made a decision. I need to get rid of this. If I want to effectively serve this God who I know who knowing, who's choosing me, then I need to get rid of this stuff. And so I just want to invite anybody here today. You know, as, as we're beginning... 2023, this futuristic date, and you want to end this this year in stride, you want to begin this year in stride, this newness, and you want to end it in stride in a better place that you were before, then, hey, I think God might be calling you to go ahead and change some things and say, hey, you need to get rid of some things. So I'm not going to do what we do in youth group, and I'm not going to start a bonfire. <sighs> that would be kind of crazy if we started a bonfire in here, but uh... then we have two churches burnt down. You know, huh? <laughs> but um, But I want to ask you, yeah, I, I want to ask you, is there anything that you know needs to go? And then, as you're thinking about this, I want to I wanna pray for you. Now, you don't have to go, ahead. I, I'm not going to say with the show of hands, you know, don't worry about that. I'm not going to tell you, is there anybody in here that is struggling with it? You know what you're struggling with. Right, right. You know what you're dealing with. And so whenever I'm just going to ask if there's anybody in here that needs prayer, just raise your hand, and I'll pray before you in the sight of God. And we'll ask him for help to go ahead and release you of those things so that you might be effective to winning some for his kingdom. So is there anybody in here today that would like some prayer concerning I need to let some stuff go? Yeah, praise the Lord. Right on. Praise the Lord. All right. So let's bow our hearts, let's close our eyes and I want to go ahead and lead you guys in a prayer Heavenly Father, I thank you God, I thank you that you're never done with us we don't go to a point that you just get tired of us Lord, you, you are never done with us Lord and I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful that you've chosen us you know, what a privilege that we have to be called sons and daughters of you, most high. And God, I'm, I'm sorry. And I know my brothers and sisters in here that have raised their hands are, are sorry that they've allowed certain things in their life, God, that just that, that murk up the relationship that we have with you, Lord. I pray that you would purge those things from our heart, God. God, we, we choose today to let those things go, to get rid of them drop them and leave them there God and I pray that you would give us the the strength to go ahead and leave them there at your feet God we come before you right now God just asking Lord for your help because outside of you outside of your power we're incapable of even serving you God please clean our hearts please clean our minds Lord I pray that uh, the people in this building today God would live a life in honor and reverence to you that whenever we leave, Lord, that the world isn't confused when they look at us, Lord, that they know who we are, yes. Yes. and they know how righteous you are, God. God, we just we lift you up. We thank you so much that we have a place to, to call a, a home, that you've grafted us into your very own family. You've made us a family, Lord, and I thank you. God, I pray that as we leave here today, we go about um, our day, that you would be pleased with us. And so we thank you, we love you, in Jesus' name, amen.